The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They are not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on the lab report, the electron transport chain, oxidative phosphorylation, cellular respiration, nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide, ATP, lots of words. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. How do you feel about the song 99 Red Balloons? Oh, I love that song. You do? I took German in high school. It's kind of polarizing song. Is it? I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hi, Michael Chapman. Hi, Patty Devers. How are you today? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Mm -hmm. You know what? I hope everyone's doing great. It's true. I really do. Aw. Uh, welcome to The Lab Report. This is a podcast brought to you by Genova Diagnostics, where we're talking about things like functional medicine, specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, and the like. I had to get a breath in there for a second. <laughs> running out of breath, just breathing. Oh, my God. Did you just say running out of breath, just breathing? Look, it's a sad state of affairs. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And we are so grateful for everyone for tuning in and subscribing. And all of you have gone to iTunes or Spotify and rated and reviewed and subscribed. Thank you. Yeah, and if you have feedback... You know, like, this is good, this is not so great. What? 99% of this is not so great. You can send that to podcast at gdx.net, and uh, we'll take a look at it. I thought you were going to say 99 red balloons. Something, well, I, something. I was trying to tie together a little bit of a theme there. <laughs> I, t I followed it. <laughs> what are you on about? Good question, Oliver. That one, that one went over Oliver's head, I think. <laughs> well, in the intro, we used a whole bunch of big words, and so I have a feeling this one's going to get a little bit heavy. Today, we're talking about the electron transport chain. Why do we care about that? Well, that's a that's why we're going to talk about it. It's uh, it's kind of a big deal, and it's people are starting to talk about this thing. Totally, it used to be something we just don't talk about. Right. We we're we're focused on the Krebs Look cycle. Over here. Look over here. Glycolysis, Nothing to see. maybe. Mm -hmm. Once you get to the electron transport chain, I think it's the word electron. Yeah, freaks people. People out. zone out. Yeah, and I think it's all part of this thing we call cellular respiration, mm -hmm. which is really just the concept of taking your food and extracting energy and making heat from it. And we always focused on the Krebs cycle, right? Yeah, yeah. We focus on the Krebs cycle, and at the end of the day, like you said, we're turning our macronutrients into energy. And whenever I think about cellular energy, I think about one little molecule, hmm. ATP. Wow. That's what I think about. It's true. Because ultimately, ATP is the energy source for the cell, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you think, where is that energy source made? It's made in the powerhouse of the cell, like the power plant, which yeah. is the mitochondria. Exactly. I think of the mitochondria as sort of like your, your nuclear power plant. And ultimately, ATP is the electricity that it generates. Hmm. Okay, so we ordinarily, like we said, talk about the Krebs cycle, where the macronutrients from your diet, proteins, fats, and sugar, carbohydrates, mm -hmm. make acetyl-CoA, enter the Krebs cycle to make energy. But we now know this is only part of the story for cellular respiration. Yeah. And the thing that's really interesting, if we're talking about ATP mm -hmm. as like the end product, the thing that we're really trying to get to, right? the whole Krebs cycle, glycolysis, all of that only creates a couple ATP. <laughs> like it's nothing. 
It's, it's nothing. I, as you just saw, I, I burned that amount of ATP just breathing. <laughs> so then the question remains, if all of this is made in the mitochondria and that whole Krebs cycle nonsense that makes people go cross-eyed looking at it yeah. only makes two ATP, we know there's got to be more to it. That must be what the electron transport chain does. That is what the electron transport chain does. Precisely. Okay. And so the other thing, let me let you in on a little secret. Right? Go ahead. The citric acid cycle, the Krebs cycle, it's not about making ATP. What? It's not. Oh. There is something else that comes out of the Krebs cycle hmm. that's vitally important. Like what? Two molecules, NADH and FADH2. Hmm. So that's nicotinamide, adenine, dinucleotide with the hydrogen. Yeah. And flavin, adenine, dinucleotide with two hydrogens. Nice. Um... So we're really diving into it. Yeah. We're we're laying out some uh, some long names. We're talking about Ugh. how Krebs cycles fit into other cycles. I think we're going a little fast, actually. Should we chill it out? I think we should break this down a little bit. And All I've right. I've got I think I think I've got something that's going to help. Okay, I'm feeling good about it. It's time to break, break it, it down. down. calming. I thought this was going to be smooth jazz, but now I think it's more of like a hip-hop vibe. Whatever it is, it sounds pretty darn great. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Something wrong with the voice. Let me hold on. Let me fix Ah, that's better. Um, yeah, so I thought maybe when we get in over our heads, we slow it down. We really talk about what we're talking about. And what are we talking about? We're talking about how the food that we eat turns into energy, how our body right. actually utilizes that food and why it's important. Well, at its core, it's biochemistry. And sometimes I think you and I are the only ones who care about biochemistry, but our job is to let everyone know why they should care too. Because to your point, we eat food. How do we get to energy? We just said that we need the powerhouse of every cell, the mitochondria, to churn out some ATP. And we're trying to figure out how does our food get to ATP and why we should care about that? And at the end of the day, one of the things we're concerned about is that there can be backups mm -hmm. in the pathways that ultimately take our food and turn it into ATP. And so you can either evaluate these backups. There's nutrients that help alleviate the backups. And this is why biochemistry is important, because it helps you to understand why something like vitamin B, B3, B6, why those are relevant in your body and why it might relate to your overall energy production. And the other piece of this is that we're going to talk about why oxygen is important because we're talking about cellular respiration. We're talking about food. And in the end, we're going to talk about oxygen. All of these things are vitally important and we're going to explain why. And lastly, something like the electron transport chain may sound like a really fancy term, but hmm. what this thing is, is actually the location where your energy is produced. Whoa. And so it's the it's essentially the inner workings. And there's lots of things that can go wrong there that then can lead to poor energy production. And let's face it, we sort of need energy. All right, did we break it down? we broke it down other we, we sort of just restated it we'll work on it mm -hmm. so what happens is you have your food and it consists of amino acids carbohydrates and fats and those ultimately are turned into acetyl-coa which is like the main hub of 
energy distribution in the cell. That then goes into the Krebs cycle, which is a big wheel that spins around and around and around. And like I said, it is primarily not responsible for making ATP, but rather these two things called NADH and FADH2. That's what you're really after from the Krebs cycle. Okay, so we made two ATPs, though. And now you're saying we're making NAD and FAD. So how do we get from there to the electron transport chain? Yeah, exactly. It's NADH and FADH2. That's the link between the two. And those two molecules actually have additional electrons that are fed into the very start of this electron transport chain. That's why it gets its name, because there's electrons being donated from these NADH and FADH2 molecules. So you know how I think about the electron transport chain? How's that? I think of it almost like a bucket brigade. A bucket brigade? Yeah, like, you know, you get a line of people. Let's say there's a house on fire, God forbid. A bunch of people are lined up, and they're passing buckets of water from one to the next to the next. I mean, that seems like the Good Samaritan thing to do, but wouldn't you also just call the fire department and get a (laughs) fire truck? Yeah. Well, I think this was the way they did it before, that there was water pumps. Oh, I see. You know. I see. Yeah, not familiar with that term. I mean, I wasn't wasn't around when they they were doing bucket brigades. I don't... I don't think. They're not still doing them, are they? (laughs) No. Okay. Though, I wasn't alive during the Civil War, and I know facts about the Civil War, but let's move on. Touche. But the point is, so this bucket brigade happens right in the inner membrane wall of the mitochondria, and things get donated from complex protein to complex protein. Electrons get donated from one, one protein to the next. And the whole reason why this is taking place is, As these molecules give away an electron, what happens is they leave behind hydrogen, Mm -hmm. which is ultimately a a proton. So you're you're leaving behind a bunch of these hydrogen protons and you're building up what's called a proton gradient. Hmm. That reminds me there's a term called chemiosmosis. And it's exactly that. It's a, a proton gradient used to do work. So you're really having like this stored energy, this potential energy building up. Yeah, all this effort is to create this proton gradient, which we'll talk about why and what it's used for in a minute. But uh, just keep that in mind. You're, you're, it's like uh, building up a, a static charge in a way within the cell. Right. And like we said, there are these complex proteins within the wall, complex one, two, three, and four, that do the donating as it walks through this electron transport chain. The bucket brigade. That's right. And just like with the Bucket Brigade, it seems like this is a lot of effort just to move some electrons around Mm -hmm. just to keep a hydrogen proton gradient. Why? Well, we're building to something here. Yeah. We're building to a molecule called ATP synthase. Yeah, this is a massive protein. It's one of those proteins that's got like a bajillion subunits, <laughs> and it's like a protein within several proteins, that sort of thing. But if you just think of its name, it's synthesizing ATP. So this is the Mac Daddy. This is where it happens. And just as a side note, yeah. I want to encourage you to go to like YouTube yeah. and Google this thing yeah. and see how cool it is. What They, they have like these little videos where they try to... Uh, by computer graphics, recreate what it's doing, and it's just the funkiest little thing. Yeah, I have a crush on those videos. Totally love them. And so this is all taking place because essentially making ATP is really difficult. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you can't just do it through like bada regular bing, boom. enzymatic Nothing, processes. Right. No. You need a turbine that is turning, that essentially slams 
ADP with a phosphate group. It literally takes these two things and slams them together. It's almost like alchemy happening here. No, but it really does spin. It looks like a turbine. Yes, exactly. And it spins because this is the only place where hydrogen protons, where those protons that have been built up on one side of the membrane are allowed to flow through. And that charge, that that effort that they want to get to the other side rotates this turbine, which then causes the whole protein complex to move and smack ADP together with, with phosphate. It is so wicked. You should really watch these videos. Yeah. Are we the only geeks that watch these videos on YouTube, Michael? I don't know. Let me check the views. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like YouTube is cutting them any fat checks anytime soon. No, probably not. But there is one more piece to this, if I may, sir. You may. We just made ATP, but the one thing that's going unsaid is that at the end of the electron transport chain, we need oxygen because oxygen is the ultimate electron acceptor. So oxygen takes electrons and makes water at the end of the electron transport chain. Without it, this doesn't happen. Exactly, which is uh, one of the reasons why we breathe in oxygen, right, is to actually <laughs> provide the oxygen to the mitochondria so that they can complete this reaction. Otherwise, we run into the complications that occur when you don't have oxygen. Like death? That's the main one. You know, Michael, I almost want to break this down again. Oh, let me... No, but not go back to the music. I mean, just sort of like... We shouldn't do that again. Let's just high-level recap. Okay. Yeah, let's just... um, Let's... Like a helicopter, bird's-eye view of the whole process. Okay, so we eat food with macronutrients, proteins, carbohydrates, and fats. Uh They become Uh acetyl-CoA. That enters the Krebs cycle, which then makes two ATP, but also two important byproducts called NADH and FAD2. FADH2, yeah. Then essentially from there, those carry electrons to the first protein complex of the electron transport chain. We've got the bucket brigade, which is carrying these electrons across these different proteins, ultimately to create the proton gradient that ATP synthase uses to make ATP, i.e. all of your cellular energy. And without oxygen, none of this happens. So that's all well and good. That's what happens under optimal conditions. Right. Let's talk about what could happen when things go wrong. Well, we know on some of our nutritional profiles, like the NutriVal mm-hmm. or the Metabolomics Plus, mm-hmm. we actually measure steps around the Krebs cycle sure. to see if there's a backup because we know that getting from one step to another throughout the Krebs cycle requires specific vitamin and nutrient cofactors. And if those are not there, if you're functionally insufficient in those, it can back up the pathway. Which ultimately would lead to lower production of NADH and FADH2, right? And so that's a biggie. Another thing that's major, major when it comes to the electron transport chain is the generation of free radicals and oxidative stress. Yeah, there's a lot going on. A lot of electrons being thrown around there. It's a dirty process. When you've got a bunch of electrons floating around, you've got the potential for making a lot of free radicals, right? Because Mm -hmm. this is a a highly potent activity that's taking place here. So there's a ton of oxidative stress that's generated by the electron transport chain just doing its job. Mm -hmm. And then any additional oxidative stress is actually has the capacity to damage the electron transport chain itself. So it becomes really important to mitigate oxidative stress with things like antioxidants. Which brings me to something called CoQ10. Uh And on a prior episode, we did a whole segment on CoQ10, coenzyme Q10, and its role as an antioxidant within the mitochondria. So it's as if your mitochondria has its own built-in antioxidant system, but 
we also know that it plays a direct role as it relates to the electron transport chain. Yeah, it's really cool. So not only is CoQ10 an antioxidant in and of itself, it's actually embedded in the intermembrane space of this mitochondria and is part of the electron transport chain. It acts as like a shuttle between complex one and complex two. So it's got dual roles. It plays an antioxidant role and it also plays an electron transport role. So what are the big players when it comes to neutralizing free radicals with, within and, and around the electron transport chain? Well, we need antioxidants, right, in general, mm-hmm. things like vitamin C, for example. And I think CoQ10, which is a very powerful mitochondrial antioxidant, and the mother of all other antioxidants is glutathione, which we've discussed as well. Yeah. Exactly. We need we need those antioxidants to help assist in all the dirty free radicals that are generated from the electron transport chain. And, you know, one of the things that can happen if there's a buildup and there's an excess of oxidative damage is we get a degradation in that proton gradient. And it's actually, I believe, referred to as leaky mitochondria. Cool. But then I think about some of these antioxidants as like, a mop coming in after the bucket brigade. You know, there's a lot of spilling. There's a lot of oxidative stress. So these things come in and mop up the mess. That's a good analogy. Thanks. So if you've got a big mess, then you've got damage to the the proton gradient. You've got leaky mitochondria. You've got mitochondrial dysfunction. You lose oxygen. The whole thing stops. And if this all all breaks down, Uh you've got apoptosis. And that's what apoptosis sounds like. All right, Patty, did we cover it? Did we answer all the questions? Well, I think there's always more questions to be asked, but... There's always questions being asked, and some of them are more important than others. (laughs) This is kind of a good intro, though. But the one that is most important... Oh, no. ...is always the question of the day. What time is it? Oh, you know what time it is. Question of the day. Question of the day. Question of the day. Question of the day. Wait, what time is it? Oh, I think you know what time it is. Question of the day. Question of the day. Question of the day. Question of the day. That one's not bad. Thanks. Um, okay, so I've got the uh, question of the day that somebody wrote in here to re- remain nameless. And the question is, who is Krebs? <laughs> Look, I've got a question. Why are you writing me that? I mean, you've th- you've heard of this thing called Google. Like, you can seriously right. answer. I mean, listen. Why is that one question up at a time, in Michael? The podcast email. I don't understand. Well, I think it brings up an interesting point that this Krebs cycle is called several different things, right? We call it the Krebs cycle, but that's not the only name for it. Yeah, that's right. We've got the tricarboxylic uh-huh. acid cycle. We've got the uh, what's the other one? Citric, the citric acid, acid cycle. cycle, right? But I think importantly, it's me- most attributed to Hans Krebs. Who, of course. Who was a German biologist. And interestingly, he just died in 1981, so this is fairly recent, but he discovered the Krebs cycle. I, but was, I was born in 1981. <laughs> maybe you're reincarnated You're saying as, I'm recent? Maybe he was reincarnated as Michael Chapman, <laughs> which makes perfect sense to me. But what's interesting is, not only did he outline the steps of the citric acid cycle, and therefore we call it the Krebs cycle, but he also had a part in creating and discovering the urea cycle. What? Which is also called the Krebs-Henselite cycle. But more interestingly... You you only get one cycle, Krebs. Dude. Don't get greedy. He has completed the tri-cycle. Because not only did he do the (laughs) urea, the citric acid cycle, but he also had a role in 
really researching the glyoxylate cycle. The glyoxylate cycle. Hmm, I smell an upcoming episode. Yeah, we've been meaning to sink our teeth into the glyoxylate cycle for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, I will say that's pretty impressive, Hans, to uh, accomplish the triple crown in biochemistry (laughs) with all three of those cycles. You must be a cycle guy, right? Right. Well, thanks, Hans Krebs. Thanks. And thanks to that uh, emailer for that question. I I was pretty harsh on that at first. Yes, you were. But uh, it actually ended up being pretty informative. Actually, let me just see who wrote this. It was from uh, Joe. (laughs) Next time on The Lab Report, Elon Musk. Aw, I thought we were doing makeup tips. Oh, that's better. Let's do that. Yeah. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear... Please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. So, Hans Krebs. Yeah. Like, what, what a genius, huh? Dude, in the biochemistry world, he's like the Justin Bieber of biochemistry, and none of us even know him. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure he was that popular at parties, too. <laughs> you, you've been to some of those biochem parties, right? No. They are off the hook. I oh, mean, man. BYO Erlenmeyer Flask. <laughs> BYOE. <laughs> <laughs>